Anyway, shall we do an episode? Because I've got stuff to do, I'm afraid. Yes. <laughs> We're watching Panic in the Disco. Oh, what was the last thing? Is it at the disco? I forget where. I think it's in the disco, but I'm not sure. Oh my gosh. That was like the worst old man conversation ever that we've yeah. ever had. Well, no, we've had Are they worse. in or are they at the disco? I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa Simpson. Are we going to the disco? I don't know. Oh, I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're startling officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast, a Two True Freaks presentation. Tonight, we favor the bold... For I, I thought you were doing ASMR. I'm no, I'm deep there. in character, man. I am deep into my character. I am exploring what it means to be my character. I know my motivation. I know where I've got to stand. And then you just come barging in. It's what I do. <laughs> oh, f*** it. I'm Andrew Leyland. He's Bill Robinson. That bloke over there is Paul Spataro. And the guy who does all the heavy lifting is Dave Wheater. Welcome to the show. Andy was trying to be a changeling. He was trying to be to see what it felt like to be that character. Well, hey, you know, if you just if you just want to barge in and trample all over my opening, that's fine. But I will be having words with the the producers of this show, and you will receive a sternly worded letter, my friend. We Look, had... the producer, the 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 two producers and the producer interrupt us. Did not want to wait three days for your intro. We waited twenty minutes of him to meditate to get into character, Bill, and you killed it. Aye. It's like having listened listen to the prophets hosted by Bob Ross. It's it's like it's we're gonna have a fluffy little nebula I, over I, here. I, I can't understand. I don't understand how you put up with it for so long, Paul. It's it's you're trying to create a professional ambiance, and you've got this amateur who just stumples all over everything like more. stumples. Nah, now you just make it up words. <laughs> yes, I am. I am making up words because it's perfectly cromulent stumples. <laughs> cromulent stumples. I think, I think delicious. from now on, Bill should be known as the stumpler. <laughs> tonight's episode uh, is all about bill trampling over everything uh it isn't really it's called favor the bold it was season six episode five of this six episode opening arc the war is escalating we've run out of time and the only hope left could be cisco's last stand we're going to retake deep space nine on the next star trek deep space nine it was directed by Veronique Kolb, who allegedly had an affair with Kate Mulgrew. Allegedly. And it was written by Iris, Iris Stephen Burr and Hans Beemler. And it originally aired on October the 27th, 1997. Two years away from Earth's moon being blown out of orbit forever. 
Uh, before we get into our discussion, that. <laughs> thank you very much of our, uh, of this episode. Uh, I would like to ask my esteemed colleague, friends, and Bill: <laughs> Is there any Star Trek news today? Uh, I think we mentioned it, but uh, Discovery is getting a season three, which was kind of given. So we mentioned it last episode a little bit, but we didn't really officially say it. So I've said it. You're welcome. I was getting a season three, but no Captain Pike, in which is a shame. Two. Yes, yeah. I, I, I would be very happy if season two had ended, will end, with the Discovery being destroyed and huge swathes of the cast being killed off and Captain Pike taking Detma, Oki, Saru and a couple of other of those bridge officers with him to the Enterprise and season three becomes all about Captain Pike on the Enterprise. See, I would be happy if season three had Captain Pike between the cage and the menagerie. Beep, and, beep, beep. and he was just in the chair. <laughs> That's that's eight years away, yeah. If they're maintaining continuity, which oh yeah, anything else. Yeah. oh yeah, they're really maintaining continuity. I'm I'll be quiet. Anyway, just, just listen to our Discovery uh, recap show. Beep, which was called Disco Inferno. It is now. Or it was. Oh god. We have no further news on that, and we probably won't have any more Star Trek news news until they start announcing more casting announcements for Picard and season three of Discovery and all that stuff. Uh, all right. So, favor the bold. This synopsis I have ripped off Wikipedia. So if it makes no sense, you know who to blame. Captain Benjamin Sisko decides to retake Deep Space Nine in order to bolster sagging Federation morale. I think you can get some pants that bolster your sagging morale. He plans a large force in order to do so, but it will take time. The Klingons are unwilling leather pants. Klingon leather pants. The Klingons are unwilling to commit a large force, so General Martok and Worf must leave to convince the High Council. Rom faces execution for attempting to foil the plan to destroy the self-replicating minefield. The field is the only thing keeping Dominion reinforcements from showing up through the wormhole. It will take about a week before the field can be eliminated. Meanwhile, Kira and Quark work on a plan to warn the Federation of the pending destruction of the minefield, but Jake reveals to them how he gets messages out through Morn! Morn delivers the messages. He's going home to visit his mum. Ah, Cisco realizes that he must take the station now, though his fleet is nowhere near large enough. Whilst all this is going on, Odo's loyalties become confused, and Tora Zayal, daughter of Guldukat, becomes entangled in station politics and policy decisions. With a fleet consisting of six hundred vessels, Cisco arrives near Deep Space Nine, facing a Cardassian Dominion fleet of one thousand two hundred and fifty-four ships. He turns to his crew and says, "There's an old saying." Fortune papers the world. I guess we're about to find out as the operation begins. Bill does a better Cisco impression than I do. Yeah, but he's all dark hawk, you know. Now. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really do the hyperventilator. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're we'll, well, well, that sounds like Sylvester Stallone. Fortune papers the world. If you can change, I can change. We all can change. Guess we're about to find out. Because I need some change to buy coffee. What happened to Nog? Nog ain't got no leg. Oh, sorry. That's not yet. Spoilers, dude. Yeah, but I'm going to have to remember that joke in the future now. Yes, uh-huh. you are. Uh, anyway, before Bill gets carried away, uh, it was nice to see that please, almost please the carry entire... Please carry me away. Please carry him away and stop him from trampling all over my well-prepared <laughs> introductions. The trump. <laughs> I thought you were going to pounce upon well-prepared. Uh, the entire subordinate guest cast crop up in this one. Andrew Robinson's back, Jeffrey Coombs, Mark Alamo, uh, remember the Alamo, Max Grodenchik, Aaron Eisenberg, J.D. Hertzler, Melanie Smith, Casey Biggs, Chase Masterson, Barry Jenner, and Salom Jens. So it's pretty much the entire cast again in the recurring characters that Deep Space Nine has built up over the past couple of years. Garrick is wonderful. 
The opening sequence were uh, Nog comes in, Brom comes in, Nog comes in. Nog! Why do I keep getting those two mixed up today? Nog comes in saying that he's been made a, into a proper ensign, and O'Brien says, oh, wow, shit must be really bad. <laughs> We're doomed. It was, really, it was really funny. It was a really good moment um, between the two of them, who have been provided us with a lot of good moments. And I, I generally, I really enjoyed this one. I thought this was a really good episode. Again, though, if you're going to level a complaint against it, it is, it is just carrying on with the stuff that's already been set up in the previous four shows. Well, we do get to see what we didn't see last time, and that's Jadzia in command. We do. Um, and they're doing, I, I guess I want to call this, I'll see if anybody else gets this reference. I'm going to call this the Ricky Tiki Tava faint. Uh, I do. Ricky Did you get that? Tavi. Ricky Tiki Ricky Tiki Tavi yeah. faint. He was a mongoose. Right. But in the scene where they've got the one bird is pretending to be hurt in the garden going, oh, my wing, I've broken my wing. And they're trying to lure the other cobra out so Ricky can attack it. That, that, that scene. It's another cartoon from my childhood. So I'll stop now. Yeah. Childhood. No, well, maybe. I believe it's a Robert Louis Stevenson story. But story, yeah, but I, I always remember from the Chuck Jones animation. It was awesome. It was a book before it was an animated movie. I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking that's the case. I watched it first. That's how I get my literature. I watch it. I learned it by watching you. Rudyard <laughs> Kipling, by the way. Rudyard Kipling. Kipling, yes. Yes, I, I, it's my mistake. Sorry. I misspoke. I stumbled all over it. But hey, at least you probably read the book, Bill. I did at one time. Oh, when I was in elementary school, I did. They had books back then? Were they on stone? They were all handwritten. In, <laughs> in, uh, they came right off the Gutenberg press. <laughs> the Steve Gutenberg Actually, books? Gutenberg brought it to me personally. What do you Steve think, Gutenberg? Yeah. This is a new thing I'm trying out. What do you think? Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> anyway, this episode... <laughs> I don't think uh, I'll ever catch on. Lovely bit at the beginning where Garrick complains about being uh, interrogated. <laughs> yeah. It's much easier to ask questions than to be yes. asked. Yes. Yeah, that, that was absolutely brilliant. I got it. I like marriage. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All of that was really cool. And Wayun's brilliant in this one as well. There's a scene in the middle of this episode where he's trying to look at some art that Zyle, <laughs> Zyle has made for him. And he's really and like, looking at that art. Yeah, and he's like, what the hell is this? And he's trying to get Kiri to explain this kid's art to him. And he's just completely over his head. Does not understand art whatsoever. Well, well he also so, can't so, see well, it very well. Well, wait yeah, a minute. That's true. We, we have to question. Is Zial's, uh, and I'm not making a judgment on it because we've only seen a couple. Is Zial's art really good? Or well, uh, good, good is subjective. Right. But the only people who tell her it's good are it's A. a doubt. A, Kira, her friend, B, her dad, who is in charge of the Cardassian government, and she's won awards and has shown... Really? I think Wayun has a legitimate point. Maybe Wayun thinks, this sucks. Is this any good? <laughs> Do you really? Think you guys think it's good? Gold Ducat is paying people to yes. go to her exhibitions and yes. say nice things. Yes, so you really who, think yes, you think that Goldukat is buying critics. You yes, think I that do. Goldukat is Disney, don't you? Yes, oh. I do. I <laughs> He is propping up Captain Zial. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
know, that is, that is actually a perfectly valid um, opinion, largely because I don't think Zeal's art's particularly good. Well, I didn't think of that until this episode, and I'm watching Wayun, and I'm like, all right, I know he has bad eyesight, but maybe he has a point. Is Zeal's art really good, or are people just enabling her that don't want to hurt her feelings, or A, or just trying, i got to get in good with my daughter. Oh, look, ooh, we're going to have a gallery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this there's some wonderful depth to Quark if we're, we're talking about how Quark has been rehabilitated since the early days of the next generation. Mm-hmm. When he's on about um, he'll do anything to, to, to rescue Rom. I love that he's hired five Norsicans to bring him <laughs> out of jail. Which I thought was really good. And then Kira tells him that maybe that's not a good idea. And he wonders if he can get his money back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, Quark. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Did you just hear that? I think I heard some dog scream because of Lita's uh, whining. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Chase Masterson's crying when Nog was in jail is horrible. <laughs> Apparently she was watching Jennifer Tilly and Bullets Over Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's just not good, is it? No. Well, you know what? I, so I think this was actually last episode, which this is only fair because we talked about things in this episode, last episode. But they made such a – they, like, really harped on Rom about – well, why didn't you think about them using an anti-graviton beam to take out the mines? I I would have been, if I was wrong, I would have said, hey, <laughs> you're lucky I came up with the idea at all. Excuse me for not thinking of every freaking possibility that could have shut it down. Yeah. Excuse me. I, I did think exactly the same thing, though, that if I was him, I would have said, look, I came up with the damn things under significant pressure, right. and you gave me nothing to work with. What did you come so, up with? A, yeah. a fruit, right? That's about all you can... <laughs> Given that it was, it was the last fruit. minute, a last minute solution to a major problem, get off my freaking back. Exactly. Here's your fruit. <laughs> oh, the fruit scene is brilliant. I just love the fruit scene. I love Kira's well, the fruit ability scene was to in improvise, last episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Was that, oh, I, I think we're getting it mixed up again. I'm pretty sure the fruit scene was in the last episode because that was before Rom got arrested. Before he got arrested, but yes, I edited it and put it in last week, Dev. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, um, if you want, if you, want a, you want an honest uh, of how that will play out, I'll be. Finish with the previous episode, going through this one, hear this part, and go, oh, damn it. So No, you don't have to. Don't worry about it. But I loved it. Just speaking of that briefly, Kira's ability to improvise and his ability to not improvise. <laughs> I, I would say the problem with this episode is that it's so much a continuation of the last episode that there's not that much to talk about. No, these, these no, episodes that, blur really badly. Yeah, that's the, the very reason that they have aged as well as they have is the reason that it's very difficult to talk about them in isolation. That when you do watch them back to back like we did to do these two episodes, it just feels like one 90-minute show. And there is, I mean, we, we did have a behind-the-scenes conversation about maybe we should band together some episodes into one episode of our show simply because they are starting to get to the point where as individual 44 minutes, there's not really a lot to say. But if we were talking about this six-episode arc as a whole, you, there's probably a lot to talk about and to get into. What do you think of the uh, special effects shot of all the ships towards the end? I think I enjoyed it. I think it was well, nice to see a couple of Enterprise Ds. Yeah, now now they're going because it was the beginning of the season or the end of last season where they switched to full di- full CGI with the digital effects and not really as many models anymore like they used to. So I mean, I guess now they can do. Maybe it's easier, not as expensive to do these shots, perhaps. 
Yeah, see, the CG, the move to CG did make the special effects a lot more cost-effective, which is why, as Voyager went on, you started getting more and more spectacular battles with the Borg and stuff like that. They're not just relying on models anymore. I, it would have been nice to see the Enterprise E in there. I, was I don't the think it was thing. built yet. I don't think it was. Yes, this was is after. It? This is after. Um, this is after first contact before insurrection. Insurrection will take place. After oh, okay. Season okay. Six oh, so seven. they did have the. They did have the sovereign class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just just to see it. I mean, they could hand wave it away if they wanted to, that it was just a sovereign class vessel and not even the Enterprise. Mm. But I think that would have been a nice touch for us to see Enterprise, though. Um, but I, I thought the shot, it was fine for what it was. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- I thought it was good. I just think it was, as I was watching it, it took me out slightly because I'm thinking, even with 660 vessels, I don't think they would be concentrated so close together the way they're shown. I think well, they spread that- out a little bit more because space is pretty big. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, no. I mean, I've been you in think space isn't big? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is ships can be close together because, I mean... Because it makes for a dramatic shot. Well, that. Yeah. And, well, well. funny you mention that because at one point um, when I was in the service, I was Dr. Bill with his Navy stuff. So we we took a photo. Because the two ships to hit into each other. <laughs> no, no, no. That was a totally different story. And it wasn't me. Uh, so... When you go out as a battle group, uh, a battle group goes out, it's usually an aircraft carrier and all its subsequent ships that go with it and a couple submarines, uh, maybe one or two. So we all, um, believe it or not, we all pose for a picture. So all the ships get in a formation in a big, like in the middle of the ocean. You have the carrier, you have all the ships around it, you have the subs out in the front, and then they fly a helicopter up ahead and they take a picture. And I have a picture of my battle group when we were at sea. So and it, it's a pretty cool thing. But that's like the only time the entire battle group, and it's usually is, is together because once it goes overseas and deploys, you know, some ships will be like we were in the Mediterranean. So, um, you know, somebody will follow the aircraft carrier for a while or the smaller p- ships will be with it. But you kind of break up and have different tasks wh- while you're over there. But there is a time when you all come together and then, you know, so I, I can see this. This isn't, you know, completely out of, out of the ordinary. Now, I don't know if it's very wise for all of them to fly together at one time, but they are trying to retake one target. So, they pretty much have to be in close proximity to one another. Right, I, yeah. I will. I will succumb to your superior military knowledge since I have none. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. I don't know if it's superior, but uh, I'm just kind of amazed that before a battle, everybody stops to take a selfie. <laughs> it's not. A, well, but we're not going to war. We're just going on deployment. But yeah, it is. It, and it's the only time you'll ever see the submarines because usually they're obviously uh, I, I under think- the water. They're going to retake Deep Space Nine. Surely that's a war thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they posed for a selfie. They were just like, hey, we all got to meet here. Uh, let's go. Everybody, let's go. Okay. I mean, I, I just think it's it's one of the things that, Star- that Babylon 5 did do a lot better than Star Trek at this point, was the, the, the using of space properly in the battles. Star Trek still doesn't really do that as well as it could do. I mean, occasionally it did, you know, when you think of, like, Balance of Terror or even a little bit in the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, but in Wrath of Khan, I'd argue it's actually a plot point that they do it properly. Sauce to the goose. Yeah. Whatever that means. Will be that means the goose can be cooked. Mm. Sticking two-dimensionally. Mm. He's intelligent, but not okay. experienced, yes. Uh, the scene that we've already talked about, really, with the way you're looking at Zyle's artwork is absolutely beautiful for, again, all the stuff he doesn't say to Kira when he he, he knows she's involved in this. Just the mm. way he pauses before he says, you're 
friend. And it's like, you know, he knows she's involved with this. And Jeffrey Jeffrey Coombs is a master at saying shit tons of stuff without actually saying anything. I I think that's a callback to the scene a couple of episodes ago where, uh, you know, where where, uh, he and uh, Cisco are negotiating with each other and they come to an agreement and they walk away both knowing that the other one's totally full of shit. Yeah. (laughs) So last episode we said, why didn't they just straight out execute Rom? And now thinking about this and how Wayun is, is he trying, you could say maybe they were actually trying to goad them into trying to rescue Rom and then he could expose Kira outright and say, ah, we caught you. Yeah, possibly. But then again, there may be there may be some political shenanigans going on. I mean, as Kira points out, he is married to a Bajoran citizen. Mm. And don't they have some kind of deal with the Bajorans? And he does make a point of saying, you know, because of that, we're not we're going to assume she knew nothing about this. Right. And not kill her as well. Yeah. Because he says, you know, what doesn't he say a terrorist is a terrorist or something like that? Yeah. And the Dominion takes a dim view of terrorism. And again, the way he delivers that line, looking directly into Kira's eyes. Mm-hmm. He knows what she used to be. That's, I, Jeffrey Coombs is brilliant. I love Jeffrey Coombs. In fact, all of the guest stars are great in this one. I love Ducat in a situation where he has no control. A stroppy teenage daughter giving him shit. <laughs> he sends Damar in to make Damar, go talk yeah, to her. He sends Damar in to <laughs> deal with his daughter. And, 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 that, and he has no idea how to deal with her. Oh, Come with me. Babe. You're coming with me right now. Yeah, which <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> That, that actually Dakot ends up defending Kira. It's like, you must have done something when Dakot yeah. comes back yeah. with the ass kick. When he, yeah, he comes back with a black eye. I mean, my only like issue he's... with that is Dukat is a big guy, and he's an even bigger guy in that Cardassian armor. And I am not entirely convinced that, that skinny Nana Visitor could have taken him down like that. You mean uh, Tamar? Tamar, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, but no, no, no. What I think is she's been fighting Cardassians for years. She knows pressure points. She knows spots to hit them to take them down. Okay. And, oh. and Damar didn't really think she would ever, like, he's been goading her, but he doesn't think she's got the, you know, chutzpah to actually Conies. do it. Well, it was just something I was listening to Kristen Ritter on David Tennant's podcast this week, and they were talking about whoever the showrunner was for Jessica Jones, Melissa Rosenberg, I think she said. She said the first thing she did to her when she got cast as Jessica Jones was she made her go on this diet and exercise regime that would just build up her arms. Because she says one of the things that annoys her about TV shows is when skinny-armed women take out much bulkier men. So she wanted to have some muscle tone on her arms. And I just... Nana Visitor's lost a lot of weight since she had that baby. And I think she's skinnier now than she was before she had the baby. And I don't know that I bought the scene. I mean, I can go with it if I can go with what you're saying, that she took him completely by surprise, he wasn't expecting it, and she knows how to do this. But in the actual moment of the fight scene, I, I didn't, it was almost as bad as when Sarah Michelle Geller would do it in Buffy. But at least in Buffy, they could argue that Buffy had super strength. Mm-hmm. And anyway, most of the time when Buffy got into a fight, she suddenly became a stunt double who was much more built. And sometimes a man. And sometimes a man, yes. That's <laughs> so, a man, baby. I mean, here it looked like Nana Visitor did most of her own work. She did the double-fisted Kirk punch, so that always works. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, she didn't if, She didn't do the kick. I was going to say, if only we'd got the flying drop kick. Yeah, that <laughs> would have been awesome. But it's it's a minor. It is a minor nitpick. 
and it's something that I probably didn't even care about when this originally aired. It's just that since we've seen this a lot, and Melissa Rosenberg actually bringing attention to it, made me go, mm, yeah, I don't know that I buy that. So Kira can kick anybody's ass. End of story. Yes. Yeah, okay. We'll go with that. It's Kira. <laughs> Sounds like a sitcom opening. It's Kira. <laughs> Can you imagine a sitcom with a sitcom with Kira where she has to deal with Cardassian families? Oh, I would watch it. I would watch it. I would watch me. that. Kira in charge. <laughs> Kira gets a job as a babysitter for a Cardassian like- family. <laughs> Alex Kurtzman needs to get Nana Visitor on the phone like nowish. Yep. Uh, speaking of homes, uh, Cisco talks about and Yo-Yo. Yeah, he talks about Bajor being his home. I accidentally made my wife cry because I was watching this, and he mentions that that he, you know, when he whatever whatever surface he sends him wherever they go, that's fine. He's going to come home to Bajor, and I'm like, but he never went home. My wife didn't. Spoiler man. Well, that's the thing. My wife had no idea how this ended. He's like, you know, she ruined it for her. Oh well, started back, you know, backpedaling like, well, he kind of he could have come back. Um, It's like Quantum Leap. Yeah, it's exactly like Quantum Leap, and I never realized how much these shows are alike in that regard. I don't know how true that is for later canon, though, but yeah, for this, yeah, he never comes home. I I do love Martok's rationale. (laughs) With with Worf? Yeah, with Worf forgetting Thingio to join them. Did Did I just say Worf? Gaurum. Yeah, you did. You're quaffing. Wow. I combined a card out. Blah, 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 blah. A Ferengi and a and a Klingon, Quarf. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I, I love the idea. The transporter that, accident. Yeah, <laughs> Tuvix, Quarf. They go and see Gowron as enemy and friend, both telling him the same thing. That's a good idea. I like that. Oh my god! I just combined Riker and Picard and call him Piker, and it's John Luke Picard with a beard with with I thought, with, with like Riker's I thought you were going to say Ricard. <laughs> Looking for a John Luck Pickard, a Gene Luck Pickard. <laughs> Is there a John Luck pick a card here? <laughs> pick a card. Mm, yes. But, you know, some really good character stuff in it all the way through it. Every, it's really good working of the ensemble. And I think it's working as well as it is because, like we discussed last time, they've split them up. So they're not all fighting for time on the station. You've got Dax, O'Brien, Worf, and, and Cisco off on regular one. And then you've got Quark, Odo, Kira and all the other people on Deep Space Nine. So you've got decent stories to be able to divvy out the time with all the characters. And it it really does feel like a rich ensemble of characters that they're servicing and they're doing it all really well. None of it feels shoe-armed in. They're not they don't throw a character in for the sake of throwing a character in because they don't get paid if they're not in the episode. Do we get paid yeah. per episode? I think it depends. <laughs> I mean I, I'm sure I've read somewhere that if you're in the opening titles you get paid whether you're in the episode or not, which is a good deal if you're Jake Sisko. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant us. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah we, I did, I did mean us, yeah. but I just realized oh, that right, only, right, Paul, okay. only Paul, Bill, and, and Andy are in the opening. You're not getting paid, dude. Yeah, crap. Oh. Hey, I don't, I don't get paid. Well, see, there's oh, a, there's, get, there's, a, there's a clause <laughs> in my contract that I get paid by the amount of interruptions I put in. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Paul, why is this in his contract and not mine? I also get paid how many times I can make you say the F word. You you said this was all an equal, we all had the same contracts. That's what you told me. Every time you say the F word, money in my pocket. Conversation for a second so you can't (laughs) hear us, okay, Bill? Okay. Andy, his contract is written in crayon. Nobody signed it. Relax. (laughs) Oh, that's okay, then. Contracts make me go. I love the idea that Dave sat there going, 
I don't even have a contract. Yeah. <laughs> I got a rock. Crayon. <laughs> I don't have a crayon contract. Oh, I had a contract, but I left it in the sun. It melted. Very good. It's just a blob. Uh, Cisco's plan to retake Deep Space Nine. Who was that Vulcan woman at the beginning who was really awful? <laughs> All right, question. Have any of the series after the original done Vulcans properly? No, why do they look like they're all they're all sick? Yeah. Like like, they're like okay, did, did I, they did they I, not watch a mock time? The women Vulcans did not have the bowl haircut. Well, not just that. They they give them the bowl haircut. They give them like these overpronounced ridges. They make them look like Romulans, you know, with with the ridges, the extra ridges on the forehead, like the the big did it, ah, it's ridiculous. Mm. And they all have the green tint to them. It's like really yeah, I all think have to only- have a green tint. We get that there's green blood. I think the only one I've liked is Doctor Salah. I'm okay with the green tint. That, that yeah, makes but technically, sense. okay. So if you that's go by why that you logic, have a pinkish hue. No, because technically our blood is blue on the inside, and until it hits the air, it oxygenates and turns red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Doctor. technically, they shouldn't be green. If, well, if well, how do you know it's not green when it's inside them? I don't know. Then, then why are you kind? I'm going by human physiology. I'm not they a xenobiologist. Damn it. Perhaps you haven't heard they're not human. Although I understand that Spock's soul was the most human. No, it was human. Bit racist. What? (laughs) To say that Spock's soul was human. Come on, Jim. You know better than that, dude. Damn it, Jim. (laughs) I I guess it is a bit racist when you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) He was was so beloved because he was the least like his race. (laughs) Because he wasn't a Vulcan a-hole. He was so beloved because he was more like us. And screw them Klingons, too, while I'm at it. We need well, to build a space wall. That way, because he didn't want them to realize what he was saying. Human. Human. What, did, what, did, what happened there? Did he cough? What? What did he say? I don't know. Just, just, just cry and play the bagpipes and, you know, look sad. Did Peter Preston get a, get a, a ceremony like that when he died? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably because, just... Kirk, probably because Kirk was mad that he smeared his tooth. Like, really, kid? You know how hard it is to get this shit out? Come on, man. <laughs> I've always little wondered burn that. face plasma burn hands off me, you Scotty. Control your nephew. Yeah, I've always thought that. I've always the wondered. He's read. Yeah. his post. Yeah, because he was a dumbass. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, know, I don't Spock know, Scotty. Gets this great ceremony. The Peter Preston gets nothing. But anyway, I I I, I don't know, Scotty. Maybe he had better. Scotty is st- Scotty's still walking around the the ship carrying him. <laughs> It's just every room he comes into, he just kicks open the doors and carries him in. Well, Scotty, if you had better damage control procedures in place, this wouldn't have happened. <gasps> I know. Peter Preston is here. Or, yeah, whatever. I'm sorry. It was sad. Let's pour one out. I'll pour out some Dye Mountain Dew for so Scotty. There is, there is that scene in this episode when Odo kind of realizes what he's done. I had sex yeah. for three days. I like that because that goes back to like the addict thing where, you know, like all this stuff is going on while you're in your drug induced stupor and, and you don't even realize that things are happening. And then you come out of it. and It's like, what? <laughs> what happened? Not that I have any personal experience because I don't in this, but at least the way it's been portrayed on shows, it's very similar to what you see with the drug addiction episodes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got an addict vibe from it. And also, like you were talking about earlier on, that teenage boy who's just had sex vibe from it. Yeah, well, that, that would be more the, I really don't care what happened. Let's go do this again. <laughs> <laughs> you want more? Oh, sorry. I say, oh, boy, did you like more? 
I say, this this female changeling hardly has any bosoms at all. <laughs> it looks like, like you, old man. You do realize all the Terry Thomas stuff isn't in the shows, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's the voice we should give Odo from now on. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I thought Terry Thomas was a featured player. <laughs> we should do commentary of an episode as just as Terry Thomas. Well, you could do that, Phil. Okay. I end up sounding like Colonel Sanders, so. <laughs> Colonel Sanders, Terry Thomas, um, Rocky Bubble. Oh. <laughs> That's all you, Bill. <laughs> what are we I can't do? do Colonel Sanders. Uh, the, the, I've just been watching the fight scene again. Zyle's face when Kira takes down Damari is actually worth it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I've just got it playing on my phone at the side here. Her face when she sees that Kira's just taken out this big, nasty Cardassian. Oh, snap! It's really good. <laughs> I think that, that may be her best performance, because I'm not overly enamoured by new Zyle. I wasn't overly enamored by old Zayo. Welcome well, to the uh, new Zayal, the same as the old Zayal. I, I can't tell them apart. But I don't really enjoy any time she's on the screen. Well, I guess she's finally realized her dad's a douche. We all have Amazing that moment. This that shouldn't take too much to figure out. Come to that re- realization. And then next she's going to go cry herself to sleep because she's like, maybe my art isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Zayal. Zial's art is hanging on uh, Ducat's refrigerator. <laughs> goes and gets a bottle canard and sees the art and goes, yeah, that's great. And it's going to go up in price soon, too. Oh! Oh! Sorry. Oh, wow. Not even mad. I'm impressed with that one. Allegedly. The artist formerly known as Yal. <laughs> the actress formerly known as Yal. <laughs> I like yeah, their idea that they wanted, a, they wanted a different Yal for every episode. That would have been funny. <laughs> well, yeah, you go for stunt casting. Yeah. You have, like, and, you know, more with Davis playing Zial one episode. <laughs> what happened? Michael Transporter Richards accident. One. That, that's how, 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 how they explain everyone. Transporter accident. Transporter accident. Why is Zial a horda? Transporter accident. Don't worry about it. We'll fix it. No Zial I. So maybe, since we seem to have run out of stuff to talk about, we should just rate the episode. <laughs> Um, there was one other thing I was thinking, oh, about everybody's down, you know, oh, uh, we fight and we fall back. We fight and we fall back. We retreat. Uh, everybody's morale's in the dumper. So, yeah, let's all go on a big suicide mission because <laughs> we don't really have a choice. We're all it, up for this. It's not so much a suicide mission as a mission that will, they have a potential of winning and that will boost morale because it will be seen as a big victory. So I didn't get it as a suicide mission. I mean, the fact that it ended up going when they didn't have all the ships there. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of the the bigwigs are all, you know, well, but what about Earth? What about Kronos? Oh, no. Kira in charge. (laughs) I'm afraid. I'm just just a Vulcan. Admiral is afraid. Did you just make a No Doubt reference? I'm just a Vulcan? (laughs) No, I wasn't trying to, but that's pretty good. I'm just a Vulcan, little old me. <laughs> I'm walking through the Vulcan webs. Oh, sorry. All right, just rate it. Before, stop me before I sing again. Walking through the Tholian webs. <laughs> Andy? Going into interspace. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bill said well, I interrupted before Andy even started. Prematurus interruptus. Yes. Mm. Oh, I love this bit. Sorry, I've got the episode on at the side. The bit where DeMar comes in and Ducat sees his face. He's all bruised up. <laughs> 
That is hysterical. And I love that they, they go over. To, they always do this in TV shows. They go over to the other side of the room to have a private conversation. He's still in the same room, dude. And he's got excellent hearing. <laughs> Bad eyes, good ears. I mean, they're only the whole they're side only, of my freaking head. <laughs> and they're only two feet away from me. Yeah, and they're really not whispering very well. No, they're not, because I think Wayun actually calls it a family squabble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I have to think that my whole outlook on life is summed up by Garrick. I always hope for the best. Experience, unfortunately, has taught me to expect the worst. Yeah, that's that's my mantra. That's what I live by. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, I suppose we should rate it then, shouldn't we? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going five, actually. I really enjoyed this one. I felt that they balanced all of the characters well. I like Odor coming to his realisation that, oops, I've dropped a whoopsie. Kira's utterly magnificent in it, and any episode that Kira's magnificent in it always scores an extra mark. I love just the sheer out balls of we're taking Deep Space Nine back. I know we don't have enough ships, but screw it, we're going to do it anyway. I, 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 great. I, I think it's a five. I really enjoyed it. That's pretty good. I, uh, I kind of felt like this episode totally blended with the previous episode to the point that as we've recorded, I've had a tough time remembering what happened in which. Uh, this one might be a little bit more tight than the, the episode before. Not might be. I think this episode actually is a little bit more tight than the episode before. So I'm going to bump it up slightly, but I'm not going to five. I'm going to go 4.5. You go ahead, Dave. Oh, okay. Oh, I was going to let you go. All right. Um, I'm going to go with a four. It was thoroughly enjoyable, but the blending still kind of stands out to me. That we can't tell really where one episode ends when the other begins, which is fine. It just kind of makes it hard to partition everything out to to give it a specific rating. So I'll I'll go with, uh, what did I say, a four? I'll stick with that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with, it's good, but it's not top, 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 top good. Um, I'm going to go with 4.5 secret messages in ribbons to Starfleet, which, by the way, is how they get the message out. I know we didn't yeah. mention that. Mourn yeah, was the secret courier. His, his mum's birthday party. I've trusted this courier. I've known this courier for five years. Really? <laughs> I don't remember seeing you hanging around with Morn, Cisco. Just saying. So 4.5 ribbons. Tied around an old oak tree. <laughs> an odo tree? Odo tree. Anyway, so that's what we say, but what does Blaine say? This week the song will be sung to tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. <laughs> that just popped into my head. So what did Blaine say? What did he say? We're going to find out just around the way. So why don't you tell us, Paul Spataro, because I can't wait any long. I'll just sit on the bus, forget the rest of the words, and just hum along with me. Oh, just what did Blaine bus, say? No muss, no fuss. Yeah. Get what thrown under the bus. Get thrown under the bus. This episode. This episode. This episode. What did Blaine say about this episode? I didn't say the lyrics were particularly inventive. I can't remember. Now, anybody it. listening, you've just had like Tony a Orlando view, and Don. Sorry, I just a view remember. inside the brains of Bill and Andy and how they work. <laughs> and it was sticky and very dark. It's kind of scary in there. So Blaine says, hi, guys. Oh, if only Odo were, was able to link with a solid so that Kira could understand. Too bad that's just not possible. Unless he has the hots for a criminal who only appears in one episode. Because then it seems it's not an issue at all. Again, I have to assume the female changeling is clouding his mind and memory. 
On the plus side, Rom gets a chance to shine, encouraging his brother to finish the job, knowing that he's unlikely to live through the experience. We also get a great speech from Cisco about how Bejor has become his home. Garrick's paranoia also adds some appreciated comic relief. Also, we finally get an official to be continued. Oddly, I have preferred it if we didn't get that this time, since it has been left out of the last four episodes. That tipped their hand to the fact that the sixth episode of the season will wrap up this arc, instead of leaving it ambiguous. I'd have preferred not to know when this would all come together until it already happened. And now Blaine just ruined it for me because I hadn't actually made that thought process. Thanks, Blaine. Well, they could have just put to be clear. If they put looted, looted, I would have gotten that. <laughs> but I hadn't, I hadn't put that together. But just the same, you know. Yeah, what Blaine is saying is kind of true, but I'm good with it. Any other thoughts, guys? I have very few thoughts. All right. Well, then I guess that's it for this week. What are we doing next time? Next time on an all new episode of Listen to the Prophets, we're going to sacrifice some angels. They were outmanned. Thousands of Dominion ships will come pouring through that wormhole. Outgunned. We're going to fight our way out of this. And running out of time. The conquerors of the Federation. Now, Starfleet's last chance at victory. Take us into the wormhole. Are you going to meet a couple of thousand Dominion ships? Is pure suicide. Here they come. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. What, it's David the... Boreanaz? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, why not? Mm. Yeah. Him, mm. Nicolas Cage. We'll get rid of mm. him and all. Um, the guy who plays the Vision, Paul Bettany, we can we can fire him off. Castiel from Supernatural. Oh, yeah. well, he always yeah. goes and comes back. Mm. Yeah, let's get rid of all of those guys. Mm. See you all next time. <laughs> Bye. Well, we won't be seeing uh... Nicolas Cage next time, but... Oh, that's, I'm okay with that. The bees! Oh, God, the bees! Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. The return of the saint. Do, 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 do. The return, the return of the saint. Ian Ogilvy. Uh. That was the tune. That was Bill. That wasn't me. I can sing in tune. Bill, oh, he's completely out the window. What? <laughs> I was doing the scene. Do, 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 do. Did I steer that again? Completely wrong, wasn't it? I do it right. No, I'm doing the Roger Moore.